Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whenever this reaches you. You're listening to another episode of the Six Feet Under podcast. I am your five foot nine host with sophisticated ignorance, Uncle Poochie. Welcome to day two of Surviving February. What's up, y'all? How y'all doing? It is day two of Surviving February. Uh, This is the Six Feet on the Podcast, as you know. Uh, How's your day going? How's your night going? How's everything going? My day for the first day in Surviving February was surprisingly very, very, very chill. I did something that I haven't done in a very long time. And I mean a very long time. I did nothing. (laughs) I did nothing for the the better half of today. And um, it it felt good. It felt good. Uh, Surviving uh, the first day in February felt good. Um, Just chilled, sat on the couch, watched some Netflix. I know you're probably like, bro, we don't give a fuck. But yes, you do, because you're listening to my podcast. And I thank you. I thank you. As I always say, you guys are my family. I consider you my family members. Um, With that being said, today, uh, family, I'm going to speak directly to the men in the family. And everybody can sit down and listen. Uh, So um, my nephews, my brothers, my I wouldn't say my sons because I ain't got no damn kids. (laughs) But uh, anybody who looks up to said Uncle Poochie uh, or, you know, just relates to me. I'm going to speak to the men today because uh, not only is today the second day of Surviving February, it's also um, in in, uh, terms the big game. As y'all know, I don't use the names and actual terms for things that I don't get paid for for certain shit because... Hey, them motherfuckers ain't supporting me right now. They're not paying me, so I'm not saying their names. But you know what day it is. Uh, therefore, it is a Sunday. It's the big game. And thinking about the big game got me to thinking about when I played uh, football. Uh, if you guys know me and listen to a lot of these episodes, you've heard me talk about how football was a very large portion of my life. And it pretty much was my life. You know, football was the first thing that I ever did that didn't work out that I didn't deal with. I didn't deal with the aftermath of stopping and no longer playing football and the emotional uh, the, the emotional issues that came with not playing anymore. The devaluing of myself that I, I gave myself because I no longer played. I didn't deal with any of that. And so um, today's episode in Surviving February will be surviving the shame monster. Why am I ashamed? <sighs> and this episode may actually uh, take a little bit of a twist, uh, a little bit of a turn. I'm going to talk about a subject matter that um, I uh, actually... <laughs> I actually still feel very uncomfortable talking about, but... I need to get it off my chest, man. I need to get it off my chest. This is my podcast. This is my show. You guys come here not to hear about how great my life is, 
but you, you know, I, I like to believe you guys come here to uh, hear about how, you know, I am getting through and getting by and how I am just, as I said in episode one, a regular schmegler guy who has uh, dealt with some issues in his life and is now trying to get past them. But I must actually talk to you guys about the shame monster and the shame that I felt um, and uh, how I how <clears throat> I'm dealing with said shame. Um, I, up until the age of maybe, when did I hit puberty? 12, 12, yeah, the age of 12. So from the age of five to 12, had a lingering thought in the back of my head that I was a homosexual. Now that is actually breaking news for some of you listening and to others of you who know me personally. Like, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> but um, due to my, my sexual experiences uh, at a young age and um, the encounters that I um, experienced, non-consensual encounters I experienced, I still have a hard time saying the word molested because I don't know. I just do, man. At molestation, being molested, being sexually assaulted just sounds so rough and tough and and it makes me feel dirty but it shouldn't but it does I feel dirty and I um I'm gonna start going into some uh deeper counseling this month about that because I shouldn't feel dirty about something that occurred to me that I didn't do but how does my homosexuality and um and football go hand in hand well it's very simple ladies and gentlemen um there's a lot of homosexuals <laughs> in the game of football. There's a lot of homosexuals in the walk of life. And uh, quite frankly, I don't necessarily see why in 2020 or in ever, it ever fucking mattered. Homosexuality and, um, and you know, trans or whatever the hell it is that you choose to be. Again, operative word, you choose to be. You chose this. They chose that. There are a lot of worse things in the world that a person can be, ladies and gentlemen, than gay. I quite frankly don't give a fuck about a person's sexuality. That could, that that could, I don't care. That could bother me less. But um, yeah, man, I, and I'll get into that later on in the episode, talking about how uh, homosexuality and, and football go hand in hand and my experience with that. But I'll back it up and tell you guys about my experience first about the shame monster and how I dealt with um, my potential um, interest in men and how I thought I was gay at one point in my life. So I don't remember much um, regarding my um, first sexual encounter. I just remember it felt good. I remember I felt good, um, but I also felt dirty and I felt bad and I, I didn't know how to feel after that. Um, like I've said, this occurred with the said person that I was related to. I'm no longer in contact with that person, so it really doesn't fucking matter. I don't want anything out of them. I don't want a sorry. I don't want an apology. I don't even want to. I don't even want to confront them. But moving forward, after that situation occurred, I started looking at, um, you know, I started looking more introspectively in myself, and that's kind of crazy to think about as a six-year-old uh, looking inward at yourself and wondering who you are. But I started also looking out at men, you know, and uh, since I had my first sexual experience with a man, I tend to believe that, hey, 
I must obviously like men, you know. And, um, you know, I took it upon myself to explore my mind. I obviously wasn't really exploring my body because I was six years old. And I just would wonder. And that's all it ever really was. It was just a wonder. Like, do I like men? That nigga's kind of cute. Is that weird? But, you know, one thing I wasn't going to do, I sure in the hell wasn't going to tell my parents. Like, the fuck did I look like telling my parents at six-year-olds? A six-year-old. I like dick. Now, let me explain something, ladies and gentlemen. My dad is a very understanding man. He's he's grown into a very mature man. He still has some growing to do. We all have growing to do. But at six years old, living in Memphis, Tennessee, living down south, telling your dad that you like dick as a boy, my father would have uppercutted me ten ways to fucking Saturday. My dad would have not been cool with that. He would have been like, what in all... The fuck are you talking about, son? You like dick? You're not even old enough to know what the fuck you like. Nigga, you think you could be a Power Ranger? How can you tell me you like dick? (sighs) Anyways, man. So, obviously, I held that in because, you know, it was a cardinal sin. It was a cardinal sin, man. It was was not something that, um, that was necessarily welcomed in the time period and time frame in the area that I lived in. And, um... You know, I'm not necessarily hurt by that. I'm not saddened by that. I'm not upset by that because it just was what it was, man. It, it it wasn't, I wasn't equipped with the parenting styles back then to be able to express to me. And, and realistically, guys, I didn't also tell my parents what happened to me. So I held it in, you know. And so from the tender age of six to nine years old, um, I held that in my heart. And kind of just suppressed those urges and never thought much of it until I moved to Utah. Excuse me. I moved to Utah and uh, I don't remember this brother's name. I'm not even going to really give him a name, but let's just call this motherfucker uh, um, elementary dude. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'll call him. I don't know, bro. Yeah, I'll call him I don't know, bro. Because when I looked at him, I thought to myself, bro, I don't know, bro. I don't know, bro. That nigga kind of cute. I don't know, bro. That nigga's haircut is kind of fresh. I don't know, bro. I think I like that nigga's voice. <laughs> and yeah, I was now I was at 10 years old again. And this thought and this feeling kind of raised in my head that I was like, yo, man, can I be fucking gay? Because I think that nigga's kind of fine. And... um yeah, that was that was a startling uh, revelation that came into my head again, and uh, I was I was taken aback by this. And maybe I don't know. I, I maybe I was actually attracted to this person. You gotta remember, guys. This is eighteen years ago. I was ten years old, so I I don't remember, bro. Um, but. It was in that time period when I was 10 years old, I did also start becoming um, wildly attracted to girls again. I was always attracted to girls. I've always been attracted to women. It was just my inkling in the back of my head of wondering, like, why the fuck am I interested in men? What the fuck? Why am I looking at some boys? And I'm like, yo, these niggas look, these niggas might be cute. I don't know, man. You know, I'm sure there's some science behind it, but. I couldn't break it down for you. I couldn't tell you. I have no idea, man. And so on and so on. I um 
I, I, I suppressed those memories and I moved on. And, and since the age of 10, I've never actually ever felt that way about um, another man. I never, that's a boy, I should say. Um, and so I just, uh, I took it in stride as it was what it was, man. It, it didn't mean anything to me. Um, it just, it was what it was, you know? And so um, I, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I keep saying I don't know because I really don't know, y'all. All I do know is that the shame that I felt behind thinking that I was gay is what led me down a straight path of fear. Uh, I, I've made a lot of bad decisions solely based off of fear and based off of the idea that I won't be accepted or I won't be understood. So if that's the case, then why even say it? Why even bring it up? Why even do it? You know? And so with that heavily on my chest, I'll transition into a conversation that I had with um, one of my dear friends and he was on a football team with me. Really great guy. Really great, great dude. Um, and uh, he hit me to something at a young age. Well, not at a young age, because at this time I was in college. I was in JC. But this scenario hit me to something that I could not believe at the time or comprehend at the time. And I still don't, I still don't know how I feel about what occurred in this situation. I still don't know how I feel about what occurred thoroughly throughout the whole situation. Um, not necessarily sure if I've ever told this story about these people on this show, because although I do listen back, once I'm done recording an episode, I listen to it once. And as long as the audio is fine, man, this belongs to you guys. All of this is free game, free emotional, just game that I'm dropping on y'all to be like, hey, here you go. Do it as what you please. I realize that one of the coolest things about doing a podcast, it's kind of like an um, it's kind of like um, an audio journal that I share with the world. And uh, in retrospect, if anything ever happens to me uh, and, you know, I'm no longer working, well, when something happens to me <laughs> and I no longer walk this earth, it'll be really cool that my family and friends can always come back to this and they'll have my voice on on their airways, man. You guys will have my voice on the airways and you guys will be able to never lose me because I'm sorry that I'm getting kind of emotional. Um, I don't want to ever be forgotten. I don't want to be alone either, but I don't want to be forgotten and I don't want to be alone. But then one thing I also don't want is for those who love me, who truly love me, to feel like, um, one, that I didn't love them because I always tell people that I love that, yo, I love you. And two, you always hear my voice, man. So as I kind of sidetrack and segue into my next step, I take this moment out to tell each and every one of you who are listening to this, again, remind you, you are my family. You're, you're a family member to me. And with that being said, I love you all. Um, thank you for listening. Segue into the next portion. <laughs> the shame monster, man, it's a huge thing amongst young men. We don't carry or or release our emotions because we we are ashamed. We are ashamed at a young age 
I remember telling kids, I remember being in elementary school and kids telling me, and we used to say, cry, baby, cry, baby, suck your mama titty. <laughs> and although that sounds really funny now, it 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 was the start of, um, it was the start of shaming little boys mainly into not expressing how they feel about something because, you know, you're a crybaby, you cry crybabies suck their mama's titties they don't they don't go outside and play with the boys they don't get to kick it with the homies they go stand they punk ass on the side and be bitches you know that was the mentality that i was brought up with that toxic masculinity is what they call it now i think but when i was coming up as a kid we just called it fucking normal especially on the east side of memphis tennessee whoop whoop man did we did we not know what we were doing to ourselves and luckily, we're starting to make somewhat of a change now. But anyways, long story short, uh, or long time ago, I was once a football player and I played at a JC in Los Angeles, California, um, in the Crenshaw area to be exact. Uh, and I had this teammate, we'll call him Lamar. I had this teammate named Lamar. And um, he unbeknownst to me at the time he was gay he is gay Lamar you know who you are uh I love you dog from the bottom of my heart I'm glad me and you are still friends even though we don't speak that much you know you always have a friend in me dog it's nothing and Lamar being gay wasn't a problem uh Lamar was a um I guess what they call in the gay community he is by definition a bear so if you're familiar with that term you know what he looks like. If you're not familiar with that term, I'll break down this. My boy Lamar is um is about um a broad chested, um, six footer man with um with a lot of weight on him. He was offensive lineman, he was a center to be exact. Very, very strong man, very, very physical man. I would not cross Lamar. This motherfucker will whoop your ass. You know what I'm saying? Don't take his gayness for weakness. I have seen Lamar go ham on people in the trenches and playing football. But um Lamar Lamar uh Lamar uh <laughs> Lamar came out to me uh over over dinner one day. It was actually lunch. He came out to me. And looking back at it, Lamar had given me multiple like clues he had dropped. Uh once upon a time he actually would not once upon a time, multiple times on our way to Carlos's house, who Carlos will play a big figure. We'll, I'll explain him real quickly. On the way to our, one of our friends Carlos's house, whenever we would go pick him up in uh, Inglewood, um, he and I would drive past this street called Gay Street. And Lamar would always be like, huh, Gay Street. Can you imagine staying on that street? <laughs> and me being the closed-minded or not close-minded, but the just the uh, simple-minded 19, 20-year-old that I was at the time, I never really picked up what Lamar was putting down when he would be pointing out that street. I would just be like, yeah, dog, that shit sounds weird. <laughs> Gay street. <laughs> Gay. What the fuck? And um, so Lamar, after being friends for two years and playing with each other for two years in JC, um, he sits me down and, and takes me to lunch and uh he's talking to me he looks at me he goes hey man i might have to keep it solid with you 
yo, fam, what do you think about gay people? And I'm sitting there eating my little chicken fettuccine because I fucks up some chicken fettuccine. I look at Lamar and I go, bro, check this out. I got some gay folks in my family that's near and dear to my heart, bro. I don't give a fuck about no gay. gay. I don't give a fuck about that. I don't care. I don't care about people being gay, man. It's it's whatever. I put my head back down. I start eating my chicken fettuccine. You know what I'm saying? And I and and I keep going. As I'm eating my food, I look up and I hear. <laughs> and I'm thinking, motherfucker, got the sniffles, bitch. It's the fucking summertime. How the fuck do you have the sniffles? Anyways, I look up and I see my man Lamar. He's 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 bawling. He's crying. He's crying his eyes out. This is a big-ass man, dog. And I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck? Yo, what the fuck is wrong? Yo, Lamar, what the fuck is wrong with you, bro? And he can't open his mouth. He can't bring himself to, to say words to me. And I go, Lamar, bro, are you gay? And Lamar looks at me. Again, this is a big, strong-ass man. And he just goes... Yes. It was at that moment that I felt that, you know, this is a big deal. <laughs> and uh, not only is it a big deal, it's a trivial moment in our friendship because not only has he expressed to me something that I'm pretty sure is secrecy that not everybody knows, but also he's expressed to me something that's near and dear to his heart. I look at Lamar and I go, "All right, dog, that's cool. I'm, I'm, that. Hey, Amen. I accept you. I love you for who you are." Lamar then opens his mouth and he goes, "I'm in love, man." And I'm like, "Oh hell, nah, nigga, nah, nigga. <laughs> don't you, don't you go there with me." Listen, Lamar. I, I said I accept you, boy. I ain't say I want to fuck you. Rest to chill. That's the narcissism in me, y'all. I just automatically think I'm a bad bitch and people want to fuck me. Or at least I did. He goes, I'm in love, dog. I'm in love with Carlos. Now put this in perspective. Me, Lamar, Carlos, and one of our other uh, homies that I actually spoke about and for us by us, Big Steve, um... We are all like, you know, I can't call us the three amigos because there's four of us, but we're homies. We all play on the football team with each other. You know what I'm saying? We're all in the locker room with each other. We spend a lot of time with each other. You know, we play a sport together. You spend a lot of time with people you play a sport with. And um, when Lamar told me he was in love with Carlos, I instantly think, well, is Carlos gay? And if he is, damn, y'all motherfuckers have really been out here playing me. Because I must note, Big Steve isn't gay. Um, but he was at that lunch at the time with me. And he was actually at the bathroom. He had been told first by uh, Lamar. And um, I was like, what? You love Carlos? Ugh, nigga, y'all nasty. Y'all big bear niggas titties rubbing next to each other. That's nasty. Now, obviously, I didn't say that, but I thought to myself, like, I don't want to visualize that. But, hey, baby, love is love, dog. Do what you got to do, homie. 
I say, yo, Lamar, does Carlos know that you're in love with him? He goes, nah, bruh. He don't know. But I feel kind of weird because Carlos be sending me dick pics. The fuck? I thought to myself, oh, so my nigga Carlos is gay too. That's cool. Y'all niggas can be two butt buddies. That's, hey man, that's dope, dog. Do what you got to do, you know? And Lamar proceeds to say, but he sends me the dick pics. Then he talks about girls all the time and tells me that the dick pics are nothing but, but a joke. He's just joking with me. And I'm like, yo, Lamar, I'm going to be real with you, bruh. I am not a king of dick pics. Not because your boy's not packing, but because I don't think my dick's that pretty to be sending off like that. I don't think my dick's that pretty. And at the time, this was before Instagram, so I know there were no filters to make my dick look pretty at the time. So I don't send dick pics, you know, live in HD, baby. Anyways, Lamar hatches up a plan that says, listen, man, I've told you, I told Big Steve, tomorrow I plan on taking you guys out to some ice cream and, and admitting to Carlos that I'm in love with him. I instantly think to myself, yo, ice cream can't be any gayer than a date. I mean, what, what? What better way to tell a man that, hey, I'm in love with you, than while he's licking the ice cream cone? I mean, you get to see what that mouth do and what his mouth's going to do once you tell him you're in love with him. Again, I don't say any of that. I just sit back, relax, and go, all right, cool, bro. If that's what you want to do, I am just here for most, mm, a moral support. Fast forward the next day. We're sitting out, and Carlos and Lamar are sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, what in all Jesus name is he going to drop this bombshell while we sitting here eating this ice cream? Lamar politely asked Carlos, hey man, I left something on my car. Can you walk with me out there and get it? It's at this point I look outside the window and I can see Lamar and um, Carlos talking and I just see Carlos take a huge step back like, like Carlos had been hit with some news like, hey, Carlos, your mama just died. And I see Carlos shake his head in a fashion of like, nah, nah, nah. And he walks off. He walks off and gets in his car. Needless to say, Carlos did not take Lamar's advances well. He did not um, appreciate being told, hey, I love you by another man. And um, after seeing Carlos walk off and see Lamar, my big hefty friend, uh, kind of break down in tears uh, from the window where I was sitting. I could see the tears starting to come up. I instantly got up out of my chair. Me and Big Steve got up out of our chairs and we walked over to Lamar. And Lamar just looks at me and he, and he says, I think I just ruined our friendship. And at that moment, Lamar takes his big ass and hugs my five foot nine ass so tightly and proceeds to cry on my shoulder just cry his eyes out. I mean, that ugly cry. And all I can think to myself is, nigga, this is Ralph Lauren. Do not get your snot on my goddamn polo. But all I can say to him is, it's going to be all right. <laughs> now, seriously, I, at that moment, was a little bit taken back that he even admitted his feelings for him. Because I, at that moment, have been 
as I told you guys, I had felt these weird urges, um, these weird feelings, and but unlike him, and I do apologize, guys. We're gonna go over probably like five minutes today, so I do apologize. Thank you for sitting with me. But unlike Lamar, I had never acted on my urges. I had never acted on my feelings. I had never told no man I was in love with him because realistically, I've never been in love with a man, and I know I'm not gay. I just, you know, in itself wondered what the hell the whole hype was about. But I commend my friend Lamar for expressing his feelings to Carlos. And if you're wondering if Carlos and Lamar and I are still all friends, well, that's a good question. Um, no, Carlos rejected uh, Lamar's advances. After that, he told him he could never be friends with him because, quite frankly, he believed that being gay was a sin. Now, if y'all back this up, I know you're thinking, whoa, 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 Uncle Puche, didn't you say Carlos was sending Lamar dick pics? Yes, nephew, cousin, brother, I did. And you know what I believe? I believe my man Carlos is gay. I believe he is actually a homosexual. I believe he comes from a family um, um, and his religious uh, beliefs do not allow him to align with what his sexuality really wants. He also lives in a part of town where um, it's not necessarily um, that much. Uh, it's not celebrated to call yourself homosexual. It's not celebrated to be seen as anything less than macho. It's not celebrated to be um, lesser than uh, what they think the stereotype, stereotypical man should be. And so with that being said, yeah, Lamar is no longer cool with uh, Carlos. And uh, I kind of chose my allegiance to Lamar because that's who I came in the game with. If you guys know anything about me, you know, loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. It's a huge thing for me. And I don't give a fuck if you like fucking donkeys. As long as it's with consent, do what the fuck you want to do in your household. And I'll do what I want in mine. More so my mom's basement. But I'll do it if I want to do it. I will leave you all with this as I feel this about shame. Shame, similar to fear similar to any other feeling is just that a fucking feeling and it only has power and control when you give it now i know that's easier said than done because you know there's there's different things that um play a part in um you know people's lives and luckily in some ways you know in, in other ways where i thought weren't good when i was younger I've been raised in a household where shame shouldn't be real. What you feel is what you feel. And that's how you feel. And if people don't like it, then mm, fuck them. Even if they're related to you, fuck them. But it's a slippery slope, guys. It's a very thin line in between saying fuck them and understanding what your responsibilities to a situation should be. So that's that, man. We are now on day two. Of surviving February, um, deaf to the shame monster, deaf to feeling shame. Now, 
in some ways, shame, I guess you can say, is a decent feature to have because it keeps you from committing, committing crimes. But it's also something that's held a lot of young people back and some of them have taken their own lives because they're so ashamed. Again, I know this for a fact because hmm, maybe I was, maybe I wasn't one of those young people. I'm still here, ain't I? I'm still alive. I'm still standing. I'm still strong. That was a good movie. Love yourself, guys. Place that value that you actually have for yourself in yourself first. And everything else will work itself out. With that being said, this has been another episode of the Six Feet Under podcast. I am your five foot nine host with sophisticated ignorance, Uncle Puche. Please, please, please to always remember that the peace within you will kill the evil that is trying to remain. And until next time, y'all, I'm out.